Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group. My colleague, as always, and friend is Bruce Aldridge. Happy birthday, Bruce. It was yesterday. Thank you. You turned 21 again, I'm assuming that was the case? Something like that. Okay. Times three, pretty much? Well, at least, yes. At least, okay. Uh, today, we're uh, December 11th, and we're getting close to the end of the year. So as we've done for the past, I think, two years now, this will be our third We've gone through the cars of the year, and there's a couple of trucks in there, at least one truck and a van. Uh, and the premise of this for me, and it's kind of been a longstanding uh, issue I've had with the car industry, and in that many of the publications pick their cars of the year uh, for 2020. And they've, a lot of the publications have done so already, and some of the cars aren't even available yet. So I always, in my little uh, world with the Weekly Driver and the Weekly Driver podcast and my, my column, pick the cars at the end of the year. I think it's a good to have a year of perspective and uh, think about the cars you've driven for the year. So we've done that again this year. And uh, as always, I think this is my uh, 13th year of uh, compiling this list. It's my 16th year of being a car reviewer. And um, this past year, as always, I drove about 35 or 40 cars and trucks. And, and most of them, Bruce has been in, at least for a, a trip to lunch, but sometimes for longer trips, and I always get his perspective, and sometimes my wife will be in the car or another friend, and so it's good to bounce the cars off our our friends. So, uh, Bruce, here we are again to talk about these um, cars of the year. Sometimes it's just a lunch, but we do get to bury our foot in the throttle. That's so right. You, you do we, that. We never do miss that point. You do that more than I do, and I think it's great, and I kind of just grab on and... Uh, hang on the, for the ride. Hang yes. on for the ride. You're the skilled driver. So I thought we would just um, go down the list, and um, the car that's at the top of the list, we'll go down in alphabetical order. The car that's on the top of the list, I think, is, um, I'm not really a muscle car guy, but it, it, from, the, from the beauty of the car to the, how, how the car drives and so on and so forth, it's, it's a great car. And that was the 2019 Camaro uh, Z... L1. ZL1. And uh, that car... Um, just reading a little bit about it, that car is, uh, you know, Camaro's been around for a long time, and it's, um, if you say Camaro, everybody knows what it is. Maybe you haven't driven one, maybe you have, but it just stands out as kind of the, the consummate muscle car, uh, and I am not a muscle car guy, but I just thoroughly enjoyed this car, and uh, see, I wrote about it just in brief that... Um, the Camaro has exquisite sharp lines. There's nothing subtle about it, and nor is it ostentatious. It, def it defines a modern-day muscle car, handsome um, handsome and uh, confident. The Recaro front bucket seats add to the comfort and fun. With its power, acceleration, and overall aggressive traits, the new ZL1 is rip-roaring fun. If billowing down the road in a muscle car with its top down is appealing, the Camaro is ideal, and as reviewed in that car, it was seventy-three thousand six hundred and ninety-five dollars. Bruce, what do you what do you make of that Camaro? The Camaro's nice. I think what you're talking about, like billowing, I think is billowing white smoke off the tires. <laughs> yes, uh, they're talking here the ZL1, which is right. six hundred and fifty horsepower, supercharged. Anyway, so this thing is is a performance car, right? And this was a, a, a roadster. It was a convertible. Convertible. So it's a very special car, and like you say, the special price seventy three thousand dollars for a Camaro. Yeah. But boy, <laughs> everything this thing does is just 
just screams fun. I think, um, unless I'm forgetting a car, it was the car that I drove and you drove uh, in 2019 that probably turned more heads, except for maybe the Jeep Trackhawk, which wasn't on the list, but that was a, a niche car that um, we also drove, which was a you know $100,000 Jeep. But anyway, the Camaro, being a Camaro and being the beautiful red color that it was and the black top and with the top down, uh, with the top up, it didn't matter. People just loved that car. And, and um, yeah, the price was a little prohibitive, but what a great car. This was the loudest car I've ever heard from a manufacturer, too. That's right. I you forgot put your, about you that. You bury that throttle. Unbelievable. How loud. <laughs> How they get away with that? I don't know. I don't know. But you're going through like in a tunnel with that top down? Yes. And you plant was, the throttle. Oh, my goodness. You can loud. Be, you Woo. can be like uh, you have a good relationship with your neighbors and you have that car and guess what? Something's going to happen. They're going to say, yeah. well, it, <laughs> yeah, when you're puttering it, it, it it's quiet. It's but, quiet. Yeah. But when you open it up. Well, next on the list, a uh, completely different kind of car, but I've always loved these. It's the Chrysler Pacifica hybrid. Um, it's the only uh, hybrid van on the market. So it, it's in a segment by itself. It, it falls into the category for me, Bruce, of a car that it's, that it's a, a van but it could be a van for a family of one, and it's very versatile. It can carry seven or eight people, but if you're driving that car as a hybrid by yourself or maybe a family of two, or if you're a family of one and you have animals or hobbies and you got to carry a lot of stuff, I just think it falls into the category of having a van that you don't have to apologize if you're just a solo driver. It's fantastic. And I wrote about that car. The Pacifica is the only hybrid van available, and a lot of manufacturers can learn a lot from Chrysler uh, in this segment. From acceleration to braking, steering to road feel, confident to versatile, interior space and gas mileage to maneuverability, the van is a top choice for many buyers' needs. The APA city and highway combined fuel economy ratings are 32 miles per gallon and 84 e miles per gallon. How about a van that gets that kind of gas mileage? It's, it's great. You drove that car, I think. Yeah, 32. I mean, that's good. A lot of utility there. Um, the looks are okay for a van. Yes. Uh, a lot of people just, they're not going to buy a van. They're not going to buy a van. I don't, <laughs> I don't care how good well, it is. Well, point well made, Bruce. Thank you for that. I just think it's, um, you know, good for, I want to give them props. Good for them for coming out with a, you know, a uh, alternative fuel van. It's the only one available. So, uh, and maybe for 2021, there's something out there, 2022. But for right now, it's it gets, for that for that segment of car, I think it it stands out. The fit and finish it appears to be a you know well put together vehicle. Yes. Okay, number three. Um, I'm not a pickup truck guy at all, but um, because they've they're just so beautiful and it's like having an apartment on wheels, uh, a plush apartment on wheels. The third car on the list is the GMC Sierra. Uh, cost sixty seven thousand three hundred and thirty five dollars, and I wrote. Uh, the GMC uh, Sierra has a split driving personality. It accelerates with a throaty growl, and the, and the side steps open and retract with a not noticeable mechanical grind. But on the freeway, the truck is quiet and smooth with no wind rush. It's a small, serene crew cab apartment on wheels, at least when compared to other full-size trucks. Front and rear passengers uh, sit high in the comfortable cabin, it's chock full of small bins, cup holders, a huge center console, and a comprehensive but simple dash. Power switches and buttons uh, abound, as do cargo tie-downs. 
So GMC Sierra, it's a it's a you know good good solid I think very versatile truck. I really enjoyed driving that as a guy who never owned a pickup truck, and now I've kind of come around to them. I think huge is the operative word. Yes, everything's huge. Uh, the back seat. Legroom, I don't know how you can hardly beat that. No. Limousine or something. Like a limousine, yeah. You could show up. That would be great to show up in that car in a, some hot seat, hotty-totty uh, occasion that you might have. And you get out of your car in your formal clothes, and you, you're in a plush vehicle. So it, it would work just fine. The trucks do it all now. They're kind of like the SUVs, right? That's they're, right. They're, they're plush inside. They, they ride fairly smoothly. Mm-hmm. And they can haul all your stuff. That's true. That's true. And soon, and, uh, to divert for a second, soon we're going to have those luxury trucks with the with the Rivion that's coming out. And others of, well, say the dirty word of Tesla, with that's, whatever that thing is that's coming out soon, is a, that's a whole other topic that, for another time. Ang- angular-looking space bug. Yeah, space bug. Okay, next on the list, um, it's, it's hard not to pick a Honda Civic or a Honda Accord on a top 10 list. They've been around forever, for, I think 40-something years now for the Civic. Uh, the 2019 uh, Honda Civic, this one was priced at 27700 And I wrote that the Honda Civic is the ideal compact uh, in its fourth year of its 10th generation after debuting in 1972. It's got a long history. The Civic's front end has been restyled. It's less drastic and more attractive. The Hyundai Sensing Bundle is now also standard on all models. It includes lane departure and lane assist, forward collision mitigation, and adaptive cruise control on all trims. Variety is among the Civic's most impressive attributes. The compact is available as a hatchback, coupe, or sedan, and in nine trims, depending upon body style. Several dozen configurations are possible, making the Civic attractive to even the most fastidious shoppers. I don't know. Is there a better car than you can buy that you can buy than that Honda Civic? That Civic certainly has the resale value, right? But I think it's interesting is the 1.5 liter turbocharged motor, right? 174 horsepower in that little thing. It's smooth, amazing. smooth. Yeah. And and if you can go back to 1972, like a lot of cars, and when the Honda Civic came out, it was basically a box with some wheels on it. And now it, it's uh, it's attractive. It looks like. Well, it could pass as a sports car, but it's a, you know, a, a decent little sedan that with the Accord and the Civic, sometimes it's kind of t- hard to tell the difference between the two of them. They're, they're, the Civic's getting more like, more like the Accord. Well, I think we should say something about the rear view. I think that a lot of people think that back end is ugly. Yes, they do. Including me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the next one on the list is the Hyundai Ionic Hybrid, $33,350. Uh, I'm a big Hyundai and Kia fan, so I had to put those on the list. Uh, and I, I wrote the exterior styling is uh, comp, uh, complemented by a clean, straightforward interior design and appearance. The material quality is surprisingly upscale for a premium compact. The hybrid relies on a six-speed dual-clutch automatic transmission. Paddle shifters included, but don't seem necessary. While no competition for the power of a Tesla, the Ionic has sufficient performance as a daily driver. Shifting is smooth, and advancement over road imperfections or speed bumps is handled with minimal turbulence. Rear seat space is generous for the segment and comfortable front and rear passengers. Um, you know, like I said, I really appreciate what Hyundai's done in the last oh, almost 10 years. They've come into their own. This is a, a hybrid for... You know, thirty-three thousand dollars. It just seems to be a, 
a true blue car for the for the price segment. I think it's yeah, it's a real really look good looking car, and uh, like you said, the surprising interior I thought for the money. Yeah. Okay, I think we're down to number five or six now. Uh, it was the Infinity um, QX80, $91,450. Yeah, it's a luxury car. You know, it's a, it's a big old um, SUV. Uh, it doesn't get, get any, for those people who are concerned about the economy, uh, the mindedness of their cars, this isn't that car. It's just a big old power SUV that's comfortable and, you know, great for a long haul trip. And I wrote about it uh, in brief, complementing its power and performance. Infinity's largest vehicle is a smooth operator. It handles nimbly like a luxury sedan. The ride is quiet and the SUV negotiates bump bumps as if they're not there. The overall vision is another strong suit. At night, the Infinity logo projects on the ground in front of the dri- driver and front seat passenger doors. The QX80's interior design quality and functionality are impressive. One uh, dilemma for some SUVs is access to third-row seating. The Infiniti's approach is as nimble as the vehicle's driving limberness. The individual second-row seats easily fold forward, presenting a sizable opening to the third row. Uh, Bruce, did you drive that car, and do you remember? Yeah, I'd say uh, bloated and heavy and stoogy steering and... I, I wasn't impressed. Wasn't impressed. That, okay. That, that body came out in, or that chassis and all came out in 2011. So okay. it's kind of dated as well. Wasn't, didn't make your top 10 of the year. No. Okay. Say so. Fair enough. That's why I have you kind of around because you, you, you set me straight on some of these things. All right. That, sorry. I, I take that one off the list. No, no. It, yeah. Okay. Th- thank you for that. Um, perfectly fine. The next on the list is the Lexus LS 500, $72,500. Uh, I wrote the 2019 uh, Lexus LS 500, no doubt defines flagship. It's beautiful and proud and provides driving therapy during long freeway hauls. It's a modernized version of the traditional big sedans of yesteryear. Did you drive that one? you remember? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, I like that one. Yeah. I guess, you know, somebody could harp on it, too, about maybe its weight and, and all. But I, this is it was a crisp handling compared to the... Uh, Infinity. Yes. And I, I think you have to kind of state in these areas that, um, you know, you can't always, to, to use the cliche that, you know, orange to oranges, apples to apples. But sometimes the list, for me, I have to I have to remove myself um, from, the, you know, I, I like the car that's going to get 40 miles to the gallon. But if you're driving these big cars, you can't expect that. And it's unfair to criticize them because you know going in, you're not going to get that. So well, Yeah, you can't compare the... the- <clears throat> The Infinity that we just talked about, and now this car. I no. Mean, it's, it's a totally different thing, but so, uh, I'd rather have this car. Right. Me too. Me too. And we, we have a mutual friend that says, you know, if there was no market for them, they wouldn't build them. And, yeah. and that's, Well, what's better than this? I mean, or what's the segment, you know? You right. Get your BMW, big Mercedes. Yes. Um, the Japanese do a pretty good job. I think so too. Uh, next on the list, since I mentioned my fondness for Kia and Hyundai, is the Kia K900. I drove this car, we drove this car really early in the year, and I wrote about it. The uh, Kia K900 accelerates briskly and drives as expected from a large sedan. It weighs about 4,500 pounds, but its size never becomes cumbersome. It handles the open road smoothly, and its city maneuvering is surprisingly agile. The MSRP is 59,900. Gas mileage averages are 17 miles per gallon in the city, 25 miles per gallon on the freeway. 
Luxury vehicles buyers' habits aren't often impenetrable, and the 2019 Kia K900 is an ultimate underdog in the luxury sedan segment. But it's value-priced against its German and Japanese rivals, and its new model improvements make it a worthy worthy of serious consideration. I think if yeah, if you could somehow kidnap all oh, the dealer, the people in the dealers' showrooms uh, for the both the Infinity and the Lexus. Um, maybe a BMW, and you could blindfold them and set them in that car, they'd be happy as heck with it. Thank you. What a, that's a perfect analogy. That's I great. I mean, the car is amazing. It's amazing. But it just, at the same time, you think, who's going to spend north of 60 grand? And then, hey, what'd you get? Oh, you got a new car. Oh, what'd you get? Oh, a Kia. Kia. Oh. Oh, wow. gee, really? What, what, which one? <laughs> oh, a K900. What's that? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> Yeah, you don't really get anything, or it's not showy, right? No, there's no flag raised that says I just spent sixty grand when you drive that car. You could you could make the case that so the, it's a little odd. It's a little odd, yes. But the and car's great. The I car's think. great. It's wonderful. And there are people who, as we all know, buy cars so that the neighbors can see them. Right. And this one doesn't qualify no. in that category until you took your take your neighbor into that car and drove around. Likely win them over, uh, even though they say, oh, I'm not going to ever buy a South Korean car. Well, that's to me, that's long gone, and they're quite worthy. Uh, next on the list is uh, one of your favorite cars. Uh, you're one of your favorite brands, manufacturers, I should say, and that's the new uh, Subaru Ascent uh, manufacturer, uh, MSRP $38,995. And I wrote, uh, the Ascent has plenty of modern-day features, but the controls are straightforward, well-organized on the dash, and the console is intuitive. It all contributes to the Ascent's overall appeal. Enter the vehicle for the first time and comfort awaits. The SUV has easy entry and exit, and the leather seats are well-constructed with quality materials. The cabin has a spacious feel. The overall vision is impressive. And an afterthought, uh, in some three-row vehicles, the, the rear seats unlike the Ascent, in which the rear seats work for adults no taller than six feet. Does that make, did that make sense? I think it made sure, sense. Sure, yeah, I like the new motor. It's a, it's a 2.4 turbocharge now, yes. 260 horsepower. They seem to have dropped the uh, six-cylinder, at least in the, the normal sedans. Right. I'm, I'm assuming that probably they still have the six for the uh, WRXSI. Yeah, there we there go. You go. Mm -hmm. They might have the six for that, I don't know. But uh, their standard, their passenger vehicles, the uh, it's a it's a turbocharged 2.4 now. Do you think the public, the public in general, knows that all Subarus, whatever one you get, they're all all-wheel drive, right? Except and for they, the one, except, except for the sports, for, except for the sports except one. For the sports but car. and so it's the original all-wheel drive, um, symmetrical all uh, asymmetrical all-wheel drive, symmetrical, symmetrical all-wheel drive. Thank you. Uh, going back to my high school biology classes. Um, and and that that more like physics, not biology. more like you're, physics. You're way off. I'm way off. Not too much coffee today, but I guess what I'm saying is, is that was the original system. Uh, I can remember back in the early '80s covering alpine skiing when Subaru was the official sponsor, and they had they made this big thing about all-wheel drive. People say, "What's that? What's that?" Well, they've kept that same system forever, and it, built it, in, not added on. Yeah, that's, that's right. Built in. It's it's <laughs> built in. And I, I've always, and I'm since you have one, uh, a Subaru, it just seems like it's the best system going, and it's been around for a very long time in all-wheel drive. 
Yeah, I think people like Audi would have something to say about that. And there's a lot of good ones now. I, yeah. I think, yeah, 15 years ago, before the, all the electronics came in to help with the slip control and traction control, yes. I think Subaru was ahead. I'm, I'm not sure they are anymore. I know I, mine works well, and everybody yeah. up, there in the, up there in the snow country has them. Yeah, I was trying work, to give you a compliment so. because you've told me many times that you, when you go from Sacramento to your, your place in Truckee, that people are on the side of the road and you're going right by. and you're, and you're You put on snow tires and you're, you're, yeah. you're pretty good. You're pretty good. And uh, last on the list uh, is, you know, the perennial best-selling sedan for, forever. I think it's been that way for at least a decade, and that is the um, Toyota Camry. Um, MSRP, $34,600. And I wrote, uh, comfortable and with few weaknesses, the Camry is best known for its longevity and infrequently required repairs. The XSE and XLE models launched the Camaro a far haul down the road from yesterday's reliable yet bland offerings. The upscale trims feature dual zone climate control, 7-inch configurable instrument display, and an 8-inch central touchscreen leather seats, and a select and selectable drive modes, eco, normal, and sport. There's no doubt why it's been the country's best-selling sedan for years. We both drove that car. I think you agreed with me that you enjoyed that one. I think they're amazing. They're just like the Accord. They're right. Just the amazing, the level that those cars are at now. You can't go wrong. You no. buy one and they could last forever. You resell it for a lot. It's They're they're fantastic. Somebody hasn't been in around one of those cars, uh, you know, for 20 years or something, they're still thinking a Camry is, uh, oh, something like the Corolla, or they're right. thinking a, the Accord is what the Civic was back then. Now, these are a whole different ballgame. Yes. All uh, the safety suite features on them, electronic techno marvels, uh, smooth, quiet. It's amazing how fast they are with a standard motor. That's right. And it it's also interesting that uh, the Camry is the best-selling sedan, but if you go on the 2018 and now in 2019, they'll have a list of the best-selling cars for the year that it's the fifth. I mean, a after two pickup trucks and two SUVs, the top-selling sedan is actually the fifth best-selling car of the year, and it's it'll be the Camry, and then the Accord will be number two, I think. Uh, and so how that shift is, it used to be that it was Camry one, Accord number two, and then some pickup trucks, and then maybe... You know, maybe a Honda CRV would be in there, but now it's completely, fl almost completely flipped. Everybody wants a truck and an SUV. Yeah, they always did, but they didn't want to give up the luxury. They didn't want the stiff, hard, noisy right. ride, and so they they bought the sedan. Well, now they don't have to. That's they, right. They can buy that truck or that SUV and get all the luxury. That's right. And so I think the Camry. I'm I'm kind of making up numbers here, but let's say it sold three hundred and fifty thousand in two thousand sixteen, and now it's down under three hundred thousand. They keep losing percentages each year uh, but it's still the top selling sedan sure where are we going do you think uh, with electric looks like it's we're past the tipping point they're rolling out they're rolling out now and i think a point you made when we went to the la auto show last week was that last month excuse me is that um when we went two or three years ago it was the autonomous vehicles had the spotlight and now with different things that have happened in that industry they're still out there it's going to happen at some point but I think the electric vehicles now are in the limelight, in, in the spotlight, and how can you go wrong? I mean, it's uh, they're they're so well done, and there are all kinds of them out there. We've talked about Byton, and we've talked about Rivian a lot, and every every manufacturer either has one or is going to have one in the next couple of years that are 
perfectly viable. That new Mustang. That new Mustang is getting rave reviews. You hate to give Mr. Mr. Musk all this attention, but um, he did change the automotive industry. And now there are people who are going to, I think, surpass him with cars that are readily available for an average Joe um, price point. And they won't be a snooty um, Tesla that people have to have because the guy down the street has one and you have more money than he has and blah, blah, blah. There are going to be electric cars that the average person can buy in the forty, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 range. And uh, the industry is not going away, that's for sure. I just wonder how the uh, the cost per, I want to say the word gallon, but it's going to be kilowatt. per, per <laughs> mile per kilowatt or yeah, something. Yes. How much is it going to cost to go a mile? Uh, how that's all going to shake out. Right now, I don't think anyone really knows. Or no, admit, you're right. Nobody admits it in the industry because, you know, like Tesla, you get free charging. And right. I think some of the other cars, it's free charging for a year or two. Yes. So you really know, don't know what it's really costing you to go per mile. No. Uh, so I assume it's cheaper, but they had never said that. I don't know what it's going to cost. I don't know either. I'm sure that the, the so-called experts uh, will have all these numbers figured out but uh, well anybody who has one they say oh, oh yeah solar yeah. panels it's free and yeah, all this yeah. stuff but we know yeah. that's not the case no um also you know i and we've talked about this a few times i i drove the um honda clarity the hydrogen car and you spoke talk about free i mean they they the, you lease that car they give you three years of hydrogen for free um you get all this money back you get to go into the hov lanes the car will likely never catch on in a, in a big scale way. But I think that's, if I were in the market for a car and I was really economically uh, and environmentally um, considerate, I would, I would still take a look at that car. (laughs) I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And it it is driving a regular Honda Accord, plush Accord with a lot of space. It, It accelerated perfectly. And just the kind of the feel of it a little, a little bit, um, uh, felt a little special in that car because you get to go to. It was a nice car. Yeah. That, that hydrogen thing is kind of odd still. You know, there's yes. not many. What are we up to? Maybe who knows? Forty by now in California stations. So. Yeah, uh, sixty, but but forty more than forty in Southern California. So not very many here in NorCal. But it's it's. I'll give them credit. They're trying hard. Yeah. Free fuel. So yeah. I mean, I wonder what the the break even point is on that. Yeah, because the co- the vehicle costs a lot more. So yeah, you, you probably have to drive. Who knows, you know, 30,000 miles a year or something to make it pay. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm kind of uh, glossing over the, the exact amounts, but I, it, it, it won me over. I just think that, you know, going to a hydrogen station and filling up in three minutes and you're, you're there, you're done. And the Didn't cup, you have an issue one time? I did run out. There yes, you go. I did run out and mm-hmm. they came and got me, which became part of the story when Honda does have that in the so-called contract you get that they will come and get you and take you to the nearest. Just what everybody wants. Everybody wants to free be delayed. Flat, yeah. Sit on the side flat, of the road for two hours. Service. Yeah. <laughs> when you can't find a charging or a fuel station. That one, uh, you know, have to be straight up. That one was on me. They, they, the, the engineer who helped me through it was, you know, gave me these wonderful maps. And I thought, oh, I could, I don't have to do that, blah, blah, blah. And it, it, he was absolutely right. And I had to do that and I didn't do it. And so. That one was was on me if I had paid attention. Wouldn't it be great if you could just drive without a, a uh, what'd you call him? An engineer? An engineer. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was a big proponent. an engineer proponent. planning it out. Wouldn't yeah. it be nice? Yeah, Instead it, it, of being, it, playing like a navigator, just hop in a car and go? Because there's 
fuel stations? Oh, that's right. We already have that. Yes, but I will say in my defense or in that defense of that is that at least when you go to a station, if you played by the rules and you drew your own map and you drive from Sacramento to Harris Ranch or where, where they are down the coast or uh, in the inland of California, it takes three minutes. You don't have to stop for lunch or a long coffee break with uh, a Tesla, for example. You have to wait. The, cheap, the, less, the least amount of time is 30 minutes. Is that right? To, to recharge a Tesla? Something like that, yeah. So with a hydrogen car, again, it's not going to catch on, but you're there for three minutes. It's, it's sure. less than a regular fill-up in, in a gas station, which you have to do every two or 300 miles anyway. Um, not every car, but I'm defending it. In, in that in that respect, I just like it when they you know you're in snow country or something and the road gets closed. Yeah. And instead of a two hour trip, uh, it turns into six, and now you're out of fuel. It gets a little little chilly out there on the road waiting for. I'll for give you a, that for that flatbed. I'll give you that. In my case, I was in Central California. It was a warm day. I took a nap, and it worked out just fine. But it was a positive. It was a positive. I didn't have any great deadlines. You know, it was okay. I. You know, caught up on email, whatever it was. So, but it it was my mistake. But I have to say that uh, when I was going through this list, and we were going through this list, I gave a little synopsis of each car. But all of the reviews that uh, all the cars we covered this year are we covered some of them on our podcast. But all of the reviews from about the thirty-five or forty cars I reviewed this year, are all on the weeklydriver.com as well. And as this year, I've listed the past 12 years of the cars I picked. And it's, it was, it's kind of fun to go through. Every year, there's either a Honda Civic or a Honda Accord. Like we said, how can you not pick those cars? And some of the ones I was looking through last night, the Volkswagen Eos. I love that car. You don't even hear about them anymore, but it made the list a couple of times. Uh, I just thought that car was was fantastic. And I think you can get them for fairly inexpensively now. Hard top convertible. I love Volkswagen, so... That was on a list. The K900 has been on the list twice now. Um, unheralded car. Uh, and there's a bunch of other cars that we've, we've done through the years that um, the Genesis, and the, now the new manufacturer, is on there. When it was a Hyundai, and then last year when it was by itself as its own brand. For me, it was just fun to go through the last 12 or 13 years to see the cars that were on the list that I chose, and some of them aren't even made anymore. So that's another component of it. But if you visit the weekly driver Dot com. All the reviews are on there, and the site goes back to 2004. So there's, I don't know, six or 700 reviews that are on my site um, and our podcast as well now. This will be episode 116 that we're doing, and you can go back and, and listen to the archived episodes that are all on the website too. Sure. Before you go, yeah. um, speaking of fun cars yes. um, that you've had, the uh, Jeep tra- track Trackhawk track track yeah. with the Demon motor. Yes, very, uh, very fun. Yeah, I remember you drove that, I think, through uh, a local uh, uh, over, underpass in a little tunnel that we have near both of, where both of us live uh, in different parts of East Sacramento and, and uh, this, this way towards your house. That was like the loudest I've ever well, remembered. Well, it, it was very, very loud. I, I still think that... Camaro like did it? Camaro, <laughs> okay. the ZL1, I think, <laughs> okay. is another good one, memorable. And yeah. I really like that Rubicon... Uh, the Jeep with the new truck one. What's that? A Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah, that was two That's cars. That's a fun, uh, cool-looking rig. Yes. Easily could have been on the list. I, th- I th- Was that a 19 or a 20? It might have been a 20, or was it a 19? I'm not sure. I, I think, think it was a 20. I think it was a 20. So that 
good for next year. Sure. I've written, uh, driven some, I don't know, almost a dozen 2020 models now. Uh, and here we are in December of... Any other performance cars? I can't recall. That we did uh, this past year. Oh, uh, the Bullet Mustang. The Bullet Mustang. The, that was a kick. Uh, Stelvio. Um, help me with uh, the Stelvio was the... Just came back to the United States this uh, Alfa oh, Romeo. Oh, that Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo. Yeah, had the big motor. Had the big uh, motor. Little 500 or 505 or yeah, something 505. like that. Yeah, 505. Uh, yeah. Stelvio, I think it was the name of yeah. it. And so there's been some of those. Um, we didn't have any Bentleys this year, any, any big. Did you have a Range Rover? Had a Range Rover. Yes, the Velar. Um, maybe that was 2018 model, the v- v- Range Rover Velar. We have a 2020 now that we're driving the um land rover i haven't seen that one it's in the driveway let's, let's we, go we've got a lunch okay it's, it's lunch time. it's over the top it's everything that you've ever already heard about those cars are just um is it, is it the uh supercharged yes it's oh, it's every okay. it's everything you could possibly imagine and either love or dislike let's, let's <laughs> wrap it up we we're gonna go. wrap it up but anyway uh please visit uh, theweeklydriver.com uh, thanks for listening to our end of the year uh, best cars and trucks list uh, for for this year. Um, I forgot to mention that you know I've always felt this way about you know, picking cars at the end of the year, and the Wall Street Journal uh, did the same thing. It it took on some of those publications in an article that came out about the time of the LA Auto Show, and and pretty much said the same thing. I felt good that that prestigious publication was was taking it the same way, like. Let's let's step back a little bit and see how these cars are over time, rather than jumping to the right to the front of it and taking it, and it it just gives the appearance that they're chasing the advertising dollar. I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but it sure appears to be that way. That if you're car and driver or you're some other publication, if you say it first, those manufacturers give you a lot of attention, whether um, whether it's implied or otherwise. It just seems to me that. Uh, they should st- uh, take a step back and perhaps publish their their best of uh, at least when the cars are available to the public. Sure, and when you're bu- when you're looking for a new car, you really should check like IIHS, the crash yes. crash yeah. standards. Yes. Should look at Consumers Report. Um, NHTSA or NTHSA, the National Highway Transportation yeah. Safety Board. Yes. See what kind of um, crash ratings they have, and look at the gas mileage. And there's also, I guess it's Consumer's Report that, that gives indications of the maintenance problems. Yes. Or lack thereof. So that would be a good, uh, also another, something to check. Yeah, I remember we had the guy on as a guest um, quite some time ago, but um, he told us that in his career there, he's purchased about, what, two or 300 cars. Right. And so it reiterated that point that uh, CR, Consumer Reports, buys all of their vehicles. I don't know the status of, other publications, if if they're provided by the manufacturers, I've disclosed that you know I, I I work with the manufacturer rep companies, and so they do provide vehicles. But um, at least in the con- case of Consumer Reports, they're really they're about as objective as you can get, uh, and they don't even tell the manufacturers till the till they have to that they're buying that car, and that's always impressive. I thought it always it sounded fair. Yeah, it sounded fair. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. Uh, Bruce, thanks for uh, your input on the cars of the year. We, we agreed on most of them, which is fair enough. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye.